Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 through 22. Then the Lord God said, It's not good that the human is alone. I will make him a helper that is perfect for him. So the Lord God formed from the fertile land all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky and brought them to the human to see what he would name them. The human named all the livestock, all the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But a helper perfect for him was nowhere to be found. So the Lord God put the human into a deep and heavy sleep and took one of his ribs and closed the flesh over it. With the rib taken from the human, the Lord God fashioned a woman and brought her to the human being. Amen. Thank you, Elizabeth. You guys, I got to tell you, I, I got dressed this morning and I was like, I'm going to be the best dressed person at church this morning. <laughs> and then all of you showed up and I'm like, wow, it's too bad. But <laughs> it must have been embarrassing for all of you when you got here and there were a ton of people wearing the exact same thing as you. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not embarrassed by myself. Thank you. Thank you for being here. It's, it's good to be in worship um, with all of you. If you don't know who I am, my name is Sean McIntyre. I'm one of the pastors here. I work primarily with our teenagers. And I just wanted to thank Peter for sharing his story with us. Uh, what an impactful story that that was. And I want to thank the youth leaders and the students who surrounded him in love for making that journey possible. It's been a pleasure to be alongside of you and that I look forward to continuing to do that from here. Last week we celebrated Easter. Did everybody have a good Easter? Yeah, we, we had like, you know, one people holding it up for everybody else, yeah. Uh, well, we hope you did, and so as Pastor Marvin actually alluded to, Easter is not just a singular day for us. We kick it off with an amazing worship service, but Easter is actually a season. And so we're going to be continuing to celebrate the, the season of Easter by doing a series called Resurrection Stories, where we're going to be examining stories just like Peter's from people in our own congregation, people uh, around the world who realize that it's not just about what happens after we die and the resurrection that happens after we die, but because of Jesus and because of Easter, we actually get to experience resurrected lives here and now. And that is what the season is actually all about. And so we look forward to journeying through these with you today. And they're all going to have different themes because we all need resurrection. We all need it. And sometimes we need it from one thing and sometimes we need it from another thing as seasons of life come and go. And what we're going to learn today is, is that if we want to experience a resurrection life that Jesus offers, we can't do it alone. You cannot live a resurrected life in isolation. Or, in the words of Anna Draper from the popular television show Mad Men, the only thing keeping you from being happy is the belief that you are alone. Before we dive into our passage um, and learn a little bit more about that, let's share a prayer. Lord, thank you for giving us the honor, the honor of worshiping you this morning. We confess that when trouble comes, our first reaction is often isolation. Inspire us to seek after community and relationship instead. May your message to us today be a turning point for each of us. And I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, my Lord, rock, and redeemer. May your message inspire us to leave this place loving you and loving each other more than we did when we walked in. We pray all that in your son Jesus' name. Amen. I think what makes Peter's story so great is that it's relatable. Every single person who's ever existed knows what it feels like to be alone or to feel lonely. It doesn't take complete isolation to feel lonely. It's possible to feel lonely in a crowd, isn't it? Everyone knows what it feels like in different stages of life. Maybe it's the young person who every single day throughout the school year sits alone at a lunch table in the cafeteria. 
Maybe it's the widow or the widower who just lost their spouse of 50 years. Maybe it's the soldier who has been deployed overseas and now all of a sudden has never felt more alone in his or her life. Maybe it's the empty nester who had a house full of noise which sometimes drove them crazy. But now the house seems awfully quiet. All of us experience loneliness at one time or another in our lives, and so we can all relate to that story. But the world around us and the culture we live in tells us and just teaches us to put on a brave face and tell everybody that it's okay and I don't need anybody's help. I don't need anybody's help. I can do this on my own. But maybe like Peter did, inside of that brave face, you feel pain and you feel loneliness and you think that there's no escape from it. You feel trapped inside of that loneliness. But God offers us a solution today. Our scripture reading that Elizabeth did such a good job reading comes from Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 through 22. In this point, God has created the world and is beginning to put life in it. He started with the human, and now he's putting plants in it, which the Bible says are pleasing to the eye and good for food, and streams of water that are good for drinking. And so it seems like the human, Adam, has everything he needs. He's got a place to stay. He's got food. He's got water. And he has communion with God like no one apart from Jesus has ever experienced. Because there is no chasm of sin separating us and God. And that's where we pick up our verse in, 18, in verse 18. But God sees something different going on here. God sees what maybe we don't. Verse 18. The Lord God said, it is not good that the human is alone. I will make a helper that is perfect for him. So I'll take a break real quick. This is often read at weddings, or if you, uh, you know, marital counseling, premarital marital counseling, you could find this passage in those books. But it's not just about that. That's an aspect of it, yes, but this passage is about so, so much more, and we can find clues from that in the text. But God has created all of this, and it seems like Adam is in utopia. The human could not have a better condition. He's in right relationship with God. And even as people of the church, you hear us say, God is all you need. God is all you need. God is all you need. If you got God, you got it taken care of. But Adam has God, doesn't he? He has God maybe like you and I have not experienced yet. And he's got all the food that he needs, and he's got all the water that he needs. And yet, we see God himself saying, but his situation is not good. His situation is not good. So maybe God has something different. Maybe God has something more and better in store for us. And we're going to keep reading and find out what that is. It says, the man should not be alone. Picking up. So the Lord God formed from the fertile land all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky and brought them to see what he would name them. And the human gave each living being its name. The human named all the livestock, all the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But a helper perfect for him was nowhere to be found. So notice when God identifies the problem and says, it's not good that you're alone, the immediate solution is not a wife. It's not a spouse. It's companionship. God sends companionship first. That's how we know that marriage is a part of this passage, but it's not the main crux of this passage. And if you've ever, if, if you own a pet and you love your pet, you know what it's like to have companionship. If you're like me, it's a dog. If it's a cat for you, that's fine. Um, but let me know before you invite me over to your house. Um, 
But we know what it's like to have companionship, and God offers this through the animals. But what does Adam say? Adam says, these aren't suitable. This isn't suitable. This isn't suitable. And so God continues to provide for Adam because something else was needed. And so the Lord God put the human into a deep and heavy sleep and took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh over it. With the rib taken from the human being, the Lord God fashioned a woman and brought her to the human being. So the solution that God has in mind is community, is companionship, is deep and intimate relationship. But what is most important to see, if we want to be resurrected out of our loneliness into the abundant life and fulfilled life that Jesus offers, is this passage teaches us about two different types of loneliness. The first, Adam already had. He had already accomplished that, is communion and relationship with God. You see, that's the miracle of Easter, is that because of our sin, we've been separated from God, but Jesus wipes that out and brings us into right relationship with God if we just choose to have that relationship. God is always the initiator, and that's the miracle of Easter, that it's been brought to us. And he took that cross and walked out of that grave. Why? To be with you. To be with you. So if we don't address that level of loneliness as God created us, then we're never going to be able to really truly fulfill the second level. The second level has to be addressed if we want to live a resurrected life. And this is where we get it wrong because we try to fill one or the other where we say, God is all I need, God is all I need, God is all I need. And so I just show up to church. I don't talk to anybody. I read my Bible at home by myself. I pray by myself. And my faith is in complete solitude. But our pastor says that it shouldn't be. So after we realize the need to fill one level of loneliness, we open ourselves up to Jesus to fill that void. Then we can deal with that second level, which is fixed by building Christ-centered relationships. We often try to fill it with just anything, with anybody. If I can just party it up all that I want, if I can have as many people around me that I can possibly feel, if I can just find a spouse, then I'll get married and I won't feel lonely anymore. But I know a lot of people who have a ton of friends and they're the loneliest people I know. And I know a ton of people who are lonely in their marriage. It can't just be people. It has to be a Christ-centered relationship. We try it over and over again, and yet nothing fills the void, and we still feel lonely. When our time together is up, we feel lonely. When we go to bed next to our spouse, we can still feel lonely. So the people can't just be it. It has to be more. We need other Christians. See, Adam had complete communion with God, as we mentioned, and yet God still recognized it and said, that's not good. Something more has to happen here. Examine even the life of Jesus. When Jesus came to earth and started his mission, before he went out and did his ministry, what is one of the first things that he did? Maybe the very first thing that he did after baptism. Surrounded him, so he found the twelve. He found the twelve. He surrounded himself with people. He said, if I'm going to make a difference, if this is going to work, if I'm going to accomplish what I have to accomplish, I'm going to need people. I'm going to need relationship. If even Jesus himself, who had the perfect communion, the perfect relationship with God, needed that, how much more do I need it? And how much more do you need it? I can't possibly know what has you feeling lonely or what has the power over you to continue to make you feel lonely whether it's the loss of a loved one or maybe you know that you just lack truly deeply committed 
friendships. Maybe your social media activity is just an ever-present reminder for you that you're not really as connected with people as you pretend to be. Maybe your pornography addiction is just there as a conviction every time that I don't have the intimacy that I need. I don't know what it could be for you, but in today's passage, we learn that God has given us a solution. And my favorite part of the video is where Peter says, I didn't know what I needed, but it was given to me. That's a beautiful picture of God's grace. Because look at Adam in the garden. Adam, no part of the passage did Adam say, God, I need somebody to come down to see me. I'm lonely. I need help. But God is the initiator. God, before the human notices it, before the human asks, God notices and says, I'm going to help, and reaches out and begins to help. Because that's what God does, and he helps with community. You see, in the video, when Peter felt like there was no escape, the, the escape that God had in mind for him was community. And when Adam needed help, God recognized it first, and the solution was relationship. Because God's grace has gone before you and has made those people available to you in your life. And those people were also available to Peter. They were there. They were waiting for him, and God's grace was with them. But Peter, remember, had to do something difficult. He said, I don't want to do it. I don't want to go, but I, just, I can't get myself to do it. But guess what? He took that leap of faith, and he took that step out anyway. And what was waiting to catch him? The love and grace of God was there for him to just accept it. So friends, if we want this type of community, if we want a resurrected life out of our loneliness, we have to take a step out and seek out community with others and seek out relationships that are different than any other types of relationships that only can be founded on Christ. But if you've ever felt lonely, one of the absolute last things you feel like doing is putting yourself in an uncomfortable situation and being the one to reach out. And so that means, church, it's our job as a church to be the ones who reach out. Because as we mentioned, God's grace doesn't sit around and wait for us to say, God, I need your grace, send it to me. No, God sends it and sends it and sends it and waits for us to accept it. So the people that are lonely, the people that need God's love and God's grace in the community that only a Christ-centered church can have, we cannot expect them to come to us. We have to go to them. They may be outside of the doors of the church, or they may be sitting in the pew right there with you, and you just don't know it. We can't expect them to come to us. We have to be like God's grace and go to them first before it's even asked for. But it has to be more than an event. It has to be more than Sunday morning. Because when we have serve day events, those are great, and we will continue and always will continue to provide opportunities for service and community like that. Sunday morning worship is incredible. And we will continue to do it. We will always do it. And it is a major part of the Christian life. But those things are not community. Those are aspects of community. Community is all of those things put together in deep relationship. That's what that means. Because it's easy to come in here and sit by ourselves. And not be talked to. And not be noticed. And not really have community. It's our job to reach out and Find that for people and offer it to people. If you're part of a connect group, invite someone in to join you for your connect group. If you're part of a Bible study, bring those people in. It doesn't even have to be a church-sanctioned activity. Invite someone from your church or from your community just into your home and have dinner with them. 
Because that's what God's grace does. It says, come home, come with me, come with me, be with me, be with me. All we can do is extend that invitation to others. And you have no idea how much difference this can make in their life, and it's going to change your life as well. Because you and everybody else are longing for the same thing, which is, to, which is to fill that void of loneliness that, yes, God fulfills, but also has placed people in your life to fill. This is why the church is so important, because we are to be surrounded in constant community. That is biblical. That is the plan that God has in mind for us. We need each other, and it has to be more than sitting next to each other in silence. We are to seek out the love of others. Seek out the love of others for ourselves and seek to give out the love that we have to give to others. And that is what this group of young people is saying yes to. That is the community that they're agreeing and desiring to be a part of. And church, you've helped them get there. Because of you, that grace has been extended for them to be able to say yes to. So good job. But it doesn't end here. Students, it's your job that this is not the end for you, but it's your job to continue to reach out to them to be a part of that community and to invite them to be a part of yours. Church, seek them out. 